You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this amazing time that we can have together. We love you. We want to love you more. We trust you. We want to trust you more. Lord Jesus, we want deeper obedience, greater loyalty, better understanding. Help us to understand these brain-body relationships. You are soon to come. We're not at the beginning of the judgment hour, Lord Jesus. We're at the end, and it is time for our faith to climb, our hope to soar, and us to gain strength in the midst of trials, trouble, and tribulation. Teach us, Lord. Come and be our teacher today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to begin by sharing this post is really a problem and I just can't you know I'm sorry I can't do anything about it it's just it's an interference but uh, I'll try and and see everybody I like to see everybody I'm going to begin by sharing a uh, statement that I carry with me in my Bible that's filled with hope and, uh, and I believe that it's our marching orders as well. This is from a devotional entitled, To Be Like Jesus. Looking upon the people in their suffering and degradation, Christ perceived ground for hope where there appealed only despair and ruin. Wherever there existed a sense of need, there he saw opportunity for uplifting. Are we looking for op opportunities for uplifting other people right now? Do we need to be uplifted right now? Absolutely. In every human being, he saw, he discerned infinite possibilities. He saw men and women as they might be, transfigured by his grace in the beauty of the Lord our God. Looking upon them with hope, he inspired hope. Meeting them with confidence, he inspired trust. In many a heart that seemed dead to all things holy were awakened new impulses. To many a despairing one, there opened the possibility of a new life. Amen? This is another one. We cannot but look forward to new perplexities in the coming conflict, but we can look on what is past as well as what is to come, and say, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. We're going to be looking at how to build strength this week, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, not in the absence of trials, but in their presence. The trial will not exceed the strength that shall be given us to bear it. Then let us take up our work just where we find it, believing that whatever may come, strength proportionate to the trial will be given. Amen? God is in the business of changing our wishbone to backbone. And I speak from experience, and uh, I will just share a little bit of my testimony because we have a lot to cover today, and the nutrition feature is actually on the slides. Is the slide up? Yep, that's good news for me. <laughs> um, I was not raised in this faith. I was... Uh, a runaway. I started uh, the first time I ran away from home. I was five. I came from a very abusive home, beaten up a lot. And by the time I was eleven, uh, 
my father had left home and I was left with the abusive parent. So by the time I was 11, I was taking drugs, smoking, running away from home, and also developed bulimia for 20 years from age 11 to age 31. So I was really uh, a mess. I didn't care about living. Uh, my worldview was of a God that tortures people for all eternity. That's what I was taught. So I rejected the idea of God and entered into the hopeless world of atheism. And so I'm here to tell you today that worldview and your environment, tell, that, that's what dictates our choices. And so I gave a promise to God that I would never separate the gospel and our truths from these teachings, from what we do. Because really, who cares about adding 14 years to your life if your worldview is so horrible and creates a picture of a God that is so sadistic that you wouldn't want to live anyway? So I'm here to tell you that we have reason to worship today. We have reason to get serious about our message because it's about more than believing it. Of course we believe it, but we have to know it. And that's what I've been pushing recently, and I have study lists I want to give you so that we can really become so part of this message that it's part of our DNA. Because to me, these teachings are not doctrines. They are pictures of God. They're a picture of God that is worth worshiping. And so uh, what my prayer for each and every person in this room is, is that whatever your worst experience was, Whatever your past is, whatever your worst weakness is that maybe nobody knows about, my prayer is that it will be weaponized for the kingdom of God. Because when I gave my heart to God, I was about 25 pounds thinner than I am right now, severely bulimic, and uh, my prayer was not lovey-dovey. I didn't know God that well, but I knew who the powerful one was in the room now, and so I made a deal. I said... I will give you everything that I am and that I have. Well, you know, big deal. It was nothing. <laughs> but, but here's the string that I'm attaching to my deal with God, which was very kind of rude of me, but that's what I did. I said, I just want to spend the rest of my life paying the devil back for what he did. And he hired me. And I'm a hitman <laughs> right now. So get ready. So that is the, the motive and the basis for what I do. I'm, it, you know, being the health and temperance director is a bad enough title to clear a room, isn't it? It could clear a building. <laughs> so I'm really thankful for the perspective that God has given me, for the journey that I've been on, and I want your weaknesses to be weaponized for the kingdom. You may have been thrown under the bus, but you can get out and drive it. You may have had a dark past, but you can have a bright future. And that's what we're going to be exploring and digging down into this week. Can everyone see the PowerPoint? Do we want this light off? Can some tech person test to see if it's good to turn this light off? Or do we not want to bother? It's okay? Is it all right? Okay. So here we are, stuck already. This is why I don't do stress reduction programs. Okay. My hope, okay, where's a tech person? I pray for calm spirit every day. Let me, let me just put this back up again. And let's, shall we do it again? Okay. 
Is there anybody that's a tech person that would like to come up here and calm me down? <laughs> Let's try. Where's the techie person? Thank you. Let's see if it works. I, I need somebody to just support me right now. Slideshow from beginning. Oh, two tech people. It's working. Praise the Lord. You know, this is why I have to take a nap after these programs. <laughs> I'm telling you. And it's just... Somebody came in that doesn't have a folder. Oh, fine. That's fine. Thank you. Uh, there's two handouts per folder. Thanks a lot. Okay. And I'm an introvert. My speech class in college was the joy of knitting people. So, you know, if God, if God brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. Amen? Okay, can we move this table a little bit out of the way now so I can have some room to pace? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your help. All right, strength through the storm. What did Jesus say? Getting through life storms, Jesus tells us the truth. He said, in this world, you what? You might have tribulation. He says, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, cheer up, I have overcome the world. That is good news for you and I today, amen? But in the meantime, we have some questions, and most of what, can you hear me? Really? Very well? Wow. We have some questions because most of what I do, most of the work that I do is with the public, and these are the questions that people grapple with. Because right now, today, people have intractable problems that are not going away. And we have seen this pandemic amplify everything that isn't working. And people are suffering like never before. Have you noticed that? I had to wait for an hour on hold to get um, a mail hold for my, from the United States Post Office for my mail. And I listened to the same 45-second loop of music for one hour. And by the time I got to tech assistance, I was just practicing breathing. <laughs> and so the lady answers the phone, and the, what I said to her was, I can't imagine how people speak to you when they get on the phone with you. And she started to cry. She said, you have no idea how people treat me and the things they say. And it opened up a conversation. And then she started talking. I said, well, you know, there are some stress-lowering strategies for, uh, you know, lifestyle that can help you to cope with this ministry to the miserable that you have. <laughs> and... So she started talking to me about her daughter, her attention deficit, and I was able to not only share with her, but I said, if you will trust me with your address, I will send you to our website, lifestylematters.com. There's all kinds of materials there, but I will send you some materials. And she gave me her address, and I sent her books, some balanced magazines, Steps to Christ, BibleStudyOffer.com card, and she thanked me. She emailed me back. So I'm here to tell you, we need to get our antenna up at all times. Yeah. 
Because if we wait till our lives are smoothed out and everything's just perfect before we start reaching out to others, it's just not going to happen. And it soothes our own sorrows, doesn't it, when we reach out to others. So here are the questions that people have. Can God bring growth out of grief? Can he bring peace out of pain? Can he bring courage out of calamity? We know these people, don't we? Can he make miracles out of mistakes? If we took every name out of the Bible that, that made a mistake and had to carve a pathway of repentance back to God, the Bible wouldn't be as thick as it is today, would it? Can he bring life out of loss? Can he do that? If God can't do it, then who can? It's like Charles Spurgeon said, God has a different accounting system than we do. James said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse, manifold, sudden onslaught of temptations, trials, that the trying of your faith will work what? Patience. And he said, God's accounting system is different than ours. Our ledger is loss, betrayal, abandonment, loss of property, loss of limb, loss of health. This, these are sorrows, sadness, confusion, perplexity, doubt, fear. Ellen White says that faith grows strong in earnest conflict with doubt and fear. But, when, but the sanctuary had its own shekel. It had its own currency. And so in heaven's ledger, there's a different kind of currency being deposited as we walk through the valley with Jesus, and he strengthens us through the storm. So what, what would some of the currency that we would be depositing in heaven, that the trying of your faith works, what? Patience, gentleness, empathy, trust, kindness. There are power, even joy. Trials that are received as educators produce Joy, like a, he, Spurgeon describes it and compares it to a fruit that has been burnt by the sun and it brings out a sugar. So content, so content not to be content. And this is what trials will do for us to prepare us for the second coming of Jesus. And we cannot understand the reason for all trials. Sometimes we bring a trial upon ourselves. Would you agree with that? So does God give us principles to lessen that? But can we eliminate all trials? Sometimes we have a trial because of what has been done to us. So what we do to ourselves, what others do to us, and sometimes there's just no earthly explanation. I saw a sign on an executive's desk. It said, you're smiling because you don't understand the situation. And I totally <laughs> resonate with that. But now I do know the one that does understand the situation. And that gives us strength to navigate through the trials of life. So God does have a peace plan. You know, I, I've had that fleeting thought that if I just found a lottery ticket in the parking lot, you know, I didn't buy it, so. <laughs> so I'm going to get all my friends a car, carpet the church, you know, and uh, it'll all be good. But the truth is, when you, when you Google people that have won the lottery, they're miserable. They lose their money in about four years. Murder rates go up, alcoholism, suicide, drug abuse. One man said, the, the people I love became vampires. So trials 
work what plenty cannot. So God does have a peace plan. He has given us a lifestyle that promotes peace. Would you agree with that today? He has given us attitudes to actually practice. I call them attitudinal discipline that actually produce peace. They're called peptides. And so the choices that we make with mind-body systems change the architecture of the brain, change how our genes turn on and off, change our metabolism. And so we want to look at these relationships uh, and how they work in brain-body health. And of all people, we should rejoice at these discoveries because they teach a foundational testing truth that we need to know. When I say your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit in a public meeting, what people are hearing is not what I'm saying. What they're hearing is, I have a soul, and of course I don't want to be miserable, but my soul is what's going to go to glory. Or, if they're Hindu or Krishna or one of these other religions, they're, they're just going to keep going in and out of the cycle because time for them is circular, not linear. But the Hebrew God taught a linear concept of time. So our understanding of brain-body relationships gives us a platform for teaching the truth that you don't have a soul, you are one. So when I say now that your, that your body is a temple, not a fun house to desecrate, decorate, and destroy, the soul that sinneth, it will die. There are only two kinds of souls. There's a living soul and a, and a dead soul. Now it starts to make sense. In fact, one Christian brain scientist calls the brain the hardware of the soul. Would you agree with that? As well as we can understand it. But what tremendous opportunity we have to teach testing truth through science and inspiration, which are in perfect harmony. God has given us spiritual principles that secure peace. You've got to give it up. Uh, I'm 100% Italian. I was raised in the wine business. And the pastor that got hold of me, he said, Vicki, he said, and I was in a child abuse investigation, social work, got, went, got into law school, repossessed cars, skipped trade. I was going to make this society pay. But I couldn't control myself. Put everybody in jail. That'll fix it. Little did I know that the Lord would be leading me in this direction. But this pastor that worked with me, he said, Vicki, salvation is simple for you. Argue with God until he wins. He's got to win every argument. So just keep saying yes. I think that's a pretty good theology, don't you? Just keep saying yes. You're in a contract with God. You don't know what's hiding in your heart. You don't know your weaknesses. He is going to show you what you need to see. And if you are like a, a, a hothouse flower that falls apart every time you make a mistake, he can't grow you. He's going to put you in the wind to strengthen you. And so a lot of growth, and we're going to go through this, uh, I think it's our third meeting, situational awareness and growth, habit formation. It's like Jackie Gleason said, he said, the second day of a diet is always the best because by then you're done with it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so, you know, really, really important. It's one thing to achieve a goal. It's another thing to maintain it over time. Is that true? So that's what we're really going to dig into this week as well, I think, in two days. And faith that preserves peace. 
Faith is believing when it all goes wrong. I'm going to read you uh, what my husband wrote shortly before he died. He died of a very rare cancer that only kills about 1,200 people a year. He was a passionate Christian. We were in ministry for 28 out of our 32 years. And uh, it shouldn't have happened, but it did. And I don't get to write the script in life. But here is what he wrote. I realize now that faith is not about the outcome. Faith is about growing from trial to trial, from faith to faith, in order to be ready for the outcome that God permits. Faith is not an insurance policy against unwanted troubles. Faith is a roadmap, God's positioning system that will lead us unfailingly to God's perfect destination for us. Faith is not given to avoid problems. Faith is given to avoid failure while enduring problems. Faith is dynamic. Where will my journey take me? That's up to God. I just want his faith that overcomes the world, his faith that develops me to meet each new trial, his faith that prepares me for the only guarantee that faith offers. By faith, you are saved. By faith, you are saved through faith. By grace, you are saved through faith. Amen? Amen. So this is the package. I believe this is a, a good look at God's peace plan. And we're going to dig into the practical and spiritual elements of growth this week because that's what we want to do. It's been said you're only young once, but you can be immature forever. And so we want to understand and learn what growth looks like, what it feels like, uh, and, uh, and, and know how to participate in that growth so that we can really gain traction in our life. And, and the practical piece we're covering in the morning, in strength through the storm, reducing suffering, applying simple remedies, lessening unnecessary suffering. And are you with me? Attitudes that practice peace. You know, I can pray for deliverance from anxiety and depression, and I should, and tomorrow we're talking about depression as a condition. Um, I can do that, and I should. I can claim the promises, right? God's got power, correct? But if I sit on the couch and eat ding-dongs and watch Desperate Housewives, how much traction am I going to get? Not too much. And so not only does God have power, not only does he have promises, but he also has a plan. And when I engage in that plan, that's where change actually begins to happen. And that's what we want to discover this week. And it has been said that we are not in a playground. Do you believe that today? You, have, you all have a story. That's why you're here. And here's one thing I know about you, even though I haven't spoken to each one of you. This much I know. You are either coming out of a trial, you're in one, or one is coming because that's where we are, or all three. So it is really a war zone, and I do a lot of addiction programs and metabolic syndrome, obesity uh, programs, things of that nature, and here is what I know. The addicted brain is not, it, the addicted brain is fighting hard, but we need to learn how to fight smart. The addicted brain is not doing that thing to feel good anymore. They're doing it to keep from feeling, what, bad. And we're going to address, because addiction has become a lifestyle. Paul said it this way. He said, the, that, the thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. Pretty much the human condition. And so we're going to be talking about that 
and how God wants us to cooperate with him in this process of growth. So it's a war zone. It's about your environment. That's what surrounds you and your internal environment of how you think. Because your thoughts are the raw materials for your actions. Do you agree with that today? We can make ourselves so miserable by the way that we think that it's worse than the trial. Now, I don't know if I'm the only one that has ever, you know, had that situation. But I was describing the definition of catastrophizing to a friend of mine the other day. Catastrophizing is imagining the worst possible outcome in any possible situation and then getting upset about it. That's what catastrophizing is. And if you've had a rough background, it's automatic. And your nervous system is hypervigilant and your immune system is affected and it's so automatic. And there's so much to relearn because of past experience and because of what we learn to do habitually. But God is in the healing business and he has engineered you and I for success, for renewal, recovery, and restoration. Otherwise, I'd be at Dunkin' Donuts right now, people. And I'm really thankful for his deliverance. But it's hard. Just because it's hard doesn't mean that God isn't in it. In fact, the greatest, and we're never going to get through this PowerPoint, and then I'll get in trouble, we're going to go too long, but I have to give a little bit of an Italian lecture to you. <laughs> so just because it's hard does not mean God isn't in it. Amen? I, I was a runaway. That's all I knew how to do. And so I did not have a recipe for solving problems, and a lot of people who suffer from addictions don't. So to this week, we're also going to discover how to develop the mental metal to tunnel through trouble. How many of you would like a better dose of that? That's what we're going to do. So um, your environment is what surrounds you and your internal environment of how you think. Your culture is what pressures you. It may be a school culture, work environment. Our culture is all around us. It may be relatives. It may be... Uh, ethnic culture, there are cultural demands that pressure us. So your culture is what pressures you. Your biology is what changes you. Now, this is a really important point because what begins as a curiosity or a comfort soon evolves into a crutch and then a condition and then a heavy chain around your neck. So we have to treat addictions and metabolic disorders, not just as spiritual, emotional problems or lifestyle issues that need educating. We are now looking at conditions, and that's why I'm really thankful for our morning program, because this morning our speakers went through the big picture of what moving in a direction of wellness looks like, those doctors that still make house calls right? Nutrition, exercise, water, mental health, et cetera, et cetera. So your biology is what changes you. And we're going to look at the chemistry of cravings this week because cravings are real. They're physiological. They're not just psychological. So we want to understand the roots of addiction are deep and tangled. And a lot of what we deal with with lifestyle issues has to do with unhealthy relationships and habits that we just have not gained strength to beat. And so I believe that as we combine education, inspiration, and motivation, that we can get the tools that we need to move forward.
And that's really important to me personally because I know that the battle can be very hard. And by the way, perseverance is a miracle. It's a miracle. In fact, the Bible says here is the patience of the saints, the perseverance of the saints, the endurance of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Perseverance does not look or feel like a miracle, but it is the miracle that drives the other ones. Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and that your fruit, what? Remain. That it remain. So endurance is an incredible miracle. It's doing right when you feel wrong. It's a miracle. Gifts are given, but fruit is grown. And the fruit of the Spirit does not grow in the natural heart. It's too rocky. I was a botany major, my first major, and I've stood out in hailstorms with an umbrella over my broccoli starters and been hit on the back with hail to protect those little plants. So when we think of the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, what? Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. I had to look that one up. That did not sound useful. Meekness? No. Temperance. Temperance is not a list. It's a character trait of God. But it does not grow in the natural heart. So we have to do the great switch. And then we can begin to learn and grow. That's when school begins. Your brain is what drives you. We're going to be look at some, looking at some brain mechanisms and brain inflammation in depression tomorrow and see how inflammation body-wide is associated with depression. And spiritual is who leads you. This is a spiritual battle, is it not? So let's take a look at some of these brain-body connections. Uh, when am I done? You don't know? I have an hour? I don't have an hour. Tell me how many minutes I have. And what time is it right now? I have 25 minutes. Oh, people. Oh, I'm so sorry for that long introduction. We're going to... Okay, I'm, go I'm through with all the talk. We're just going to go through these slides now. So just pay attention and read the slides. Okay. So, yeah, it is stressful. Thank you. A little empathy there. To make man whole, I, I, I never forget somebody asking me, you know, would you like to come to a supper club and add 14 years to your life? No. <laughs> Are you kidding? So, yeah, to make man whole begins with what? Hope. Hope is the heart of health, not outcomes. Hope is the heart of health. Hope in our habits, hope in our obstacles and hindrances, hope in our heartaches, and hope for heaven, because this is our life. This is what we face, this side of heaven. And it is a mind-body-spirit relationship that we have with God and with each other and with ourselves. The good news today is intentional positive choices restore your brain and your body. Do you agree with this statement? The way we care for our bodies affects mental health and function, mood, memory, learning, and behavior. How many of you would agree with that statement? There's a two-way bi-directional relationship between these brain-body systems, and we're going we're to drill down in this as we go on this week. I love this statement from uh, Dr. John Rady psychiatrist from Harvard University who wrote User's Guide to the Brain. 
And he said this, emotion wells up from the brain and body, what, people? Acting together. We cannot separate emotion from cognition or cognition from the body. Separating the body and brain is rapidly coming to be seen as ridiculous. Does this create a beautiful opportunity to teach that you are a soul? You don't have one. You are one. And, and what that does, and I've done this in so many public meetings, is it opens up this discussion of the incredible backup systems that God has built into you and me to compensate for the brokenness that we have in this life. So your brain produces 50 different neurochemicals that are associated with mood. And your husband just thought you were happy or sad. No, <laughs> 50. But all 50 of these neurotransmitters, which are capable of action at a distance. So when you're upset, where do you feel it? Often. Your gut, right? All 50 of these neurochemicals are made, stored, and secreted by the mobile cells of your immune system, the cells of the respiratory tract, and the cells of the GI tract, made there. In fact, 95% of serotonin, which we associate with mood and well-being, and it's also called a learning transmitter, is produced in the GI tract. It's produced in the gut. Half of dopamine, which is a pleasure transmitter, it's also a learning transmitter, and GABA, which has to do with impulse control. So do you see the backup systems that God has created? To, so when we treat our bodies well and with respect, those chemical messengers, messengers are created and assist mental health and mental function. And when we practice the new attitudes and disciplines and perceiving our life through God's point of view, those neurochemicals assist immune health, respiratory health, GI tract health. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. We used to think of the body as like cars. If, you, if a part is broken, you fix it or replace it. But now we know that our brain-body systems are like ecosystems, and they all affect one another. It's a very beautiful symphony. It tells us something about God, doesn't it? God has created your brain-body systems to improve with proper care, use, and exercise. I love this. Nutrition interventions may benefit what kind of condition? Psychiatric conditions and countless aspects of, well, of human well-being. Human well-being creativity, energy, the ability to think through a problem. We will find out tomorrow that the opposite of depression, if, you, if I were to do a fill in the blank, I would say, I don't want to be depressed, I want to be happy. But the opposite of depression is not happiness, it's resiliency. It's the ability to put one foot in front of the other until you get through it. God wants to build that resiliency in us. Now, does that mean that there's never a place for clinical intervention, medical health care, the interventions that, uh, that can save a life? Absolutely not. But can those things take the place of the baseline things that we need to do? So we can well lessen or eliminate or avoid many of the challenges that we face, either their onset, the severity of the problem, or the duration. That's worth putting some time into, isn't it, to understand these relationships? I love this statement by Antonio Convit, brain researcher. We have studied the effect of insulin resistance on the pancreas, the retina, and other organs. But what about the brain? 
No one thinks about the brain. The battle is not for the bulge. It's for the brain. It's not about weight control. It's about appetite control, and that's a brain thing. I'd like to put it this way. I want you to have healthy headquarters. So we're going to get to the cortex of the matter. That's what we're going to do. This is a very interesting statement by um, Elizabeth Summers, author of Food and Mood, nutritional dietitian expert, repeated, what kind? Repeated, repeated. I'm not the enemy of a cookie, people. But the problem is we're having a birthday party for breakfast, Christmas for lunch, Thanksgiving for dinner, right? Fourth of July before we go to bed. Plenty of fireworks, but not the kind we want. And it, it has, I'm going to show you a nutritional demo tomorrow that I think will be very eye-opening. I just don't have time to do it today. Repeated poor food choices can set fundamental patterns. That means that genetic switches are being affected in the production of what? Brain chemicals that regulate appetite and mood so that you become a victim of mood swings, food cravings, poor sleep habits, and other emotional problems that have their root in poor eating habits. And it can create a vicious cycle, can't it? Because we feel bad, we want comfort, we grab that food, not knowing that it's going to create a spiral that makes it even harder for us to cope with the challenges that come our way. So let's talk just a little bit about metabolic uh, syndrome and brain risk. I'm going to ask um, Rhonda to come up and join me for just a moment if you're still. Rhonda, are you there? Come on up. Rhonda's teaching our morning class in Simple Remedies, Getting Through the Storm, uh, Creating Health in the Storm. And Rhonda, would you please just get somewhere where the, you can people will hear you with this. Can you get on this side of me right here, please? And would you please talk to these folks for just a moment about metabolic syndrome, what it is? Well, we used to call it... Nurse. She's a nurse, people. <laughs> but I didn't know this was going to happen. No, she didn't. <laughs> she may be upset with me, but she's being nice. We used to call it pre-diabetes, but it's a, a combination of of um, different physical symptoms with your triglycerides, all these things, that, and your blood pressure, um, all these things. Waist circumference, cholesterol, these are clusterings of symptoms yes. that people get. And they, mm -hmm. um, it's, it leads towards diabetes if you don't already have it. But it's, um, yeah, so it's an inflammatory, would you say it's systemic inflammation? So that baseline inflammation is the mother of diabetes, heart disease, a lot of different issues, and we're going to see how that affects the brain. She's running off. Thank you, Rhonda. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> we'll sign a petition that she should still speak to me after, <laughs> after this. <laughs> okay, so this is inflammation. So when we talk about obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, pre-diabetes, these kinds of elevated cholesterol and triglycerides, mid, the mid-body thing, these are symptoms. And the more of those factors that you have, the greater the risk for some of the uh, serious diseases that are attached to it. Now, one thing I do want to tell you about obesity is that the definition or a definition of obesity, it's not just body weight. It is the ratio of lean muscle to body fat. And when the ratio of lean muscle to body fat is low, 
then you can have what is called normal weight obesity. And in one study, 40% of college students who were normal weight because of inactivity and poor eating habits had normal weight obesity. They were not overtly overweight, but they were at risk for 30 different chronic ailments because of their poor physical shape. So, um, so what we want to focus on is ha having a more fit lifestyle. That's a big picture. The big picture is I want to be more fit. I want to be more mentally fit. I want to be more exercised. And I want to make better choices. And we're going to see some profound reasons why the type of choices we make in diet have a profound inf influence on gut bacteria and the neurotransmitters that affect mood. So metabolic brain risks are depression, slower thinking, less alert, less energy, memory loss, and dementia. And 20 years before overt memory loss occurs with dementia, there is, a, there is deterioration that is beginning to occur in areas of the brain that have to do with initiative, making a list and actually following it. Okay, so, so it's very, very important for, under, for us to understand. People don't just get this. Uh, all of a sudden, you can't remember. And there are many pathways to these disorders. People have genetic issues that can drive these head trauma, so we don't want to put people in a box and judge. That's not why we're here, but we want to reduce risk, okay? This is a picture of insulin resistance at the skeletal muscle level. It's striated fat. It's marbled meat. If you were going to barbecue a steak, that's the one that people go for because it's marbled the meat is tender and it's marbled and that's what they use. So if you want to prepare an animal, a beef cow, to have his meat look like this, there are two things that you have to do. You have to overfeed the animal and keep him sedentary. You have to keep him from moving. And so fatty muscle, fatty muscle is, at a, fa is a foundation condition with insulin resistance. So the insulin is is a, a hormone produced by the pancreas, and we could call it the grocery boy that delivers the groceries. The groceries is the glucose. Glucose is the fuel for cells. So, the, so you have these grocery boys, the insulin, that cannot find the doorbell to get in. So they call for more and more and more grocery boys, and we call that hyperinsulinism. They can't get the glucose into the cells because of this, this condition of the muscle. And that's where energy is produced. So when we begin to develop insulin resistance, uh, what would one of the first symptoms be? What would one, who said? Yes, lethargy, exhaustion, tired, fatigue. So what's the last thing you want to do when you are tired? You are tired and you are tense. If you're tired, you can take a nap. If you're tense, you can go for a run. But when you're tired and tense, it's going to affect your, your mood, your attitude, levels of hope. And so, yeah, the last thing you want to do is move. But a good bout of exercise can increase insulin sensitivity. Would that be a good thing? Insulin sensitivity for anywhere from two hours to two days. And as you work those muscles, there are proteins within the muscle called glucose transporters that work even outside of the insulin system, and they migrate to the surface of the cell and take in glucose. So good, regular, methodical exercise for type 1 diabetics 
that is predictable in terms of energy expenditure can reduce um, can reduce the need for, for so much insulin. It can affect insulin requirements. So that's really good news today. Eating a high fructose added sugar diet over the long term alters your brain's ability to learn and remember information. Tomorrow we're going to see what that looks like. I don't have time to do it today. Our study shows that a high fructose diet harms the brain as well as the body. People say, well, I better not eat any fruit. And you'll see tomorrow, because I just can't help but tell you, but I'm going to actually show you that uh, those 64-ounce sodas that you can get at the fast food stores, that is 133 um, grams of fructose. A peach has four. So you'd have to eat 33 peaches at a sitting. <clears throat> so you see the difference. When we take <clears throat> these drug doses of these macronutrients, they have a shaping effect on the brain. This is a strawberry shake from a fast food place. And if you can find a strawberry in there, I'll give you a free book. <clears throat> these are created. <clears throat> now, a lot of these elements in here are chemical esters that actually are the real esters that are involved in the flavor and texture and aroma, you know, uh, and the smell of a real strawberry, <clears throat> but the strawberry is not there. And they're designed to create what is called a bliss factor. So it gives such a dopamine hit to the brain that it's like that rabbit, you know, that rat that keeps <clears throat> pushing the pedal to get more and more and more. And then what do real strawberries taste like? <clears throat> Nothing. So we could talk more about that. I hope we get a chance to, but I do want to get into the, into the bacteria. Because if you thought you were alone during the pandemic, you got a lot of bacterial friends. But you want the right ones in the neighborhood, we've got to get the gangsters out of the gut. So that's where I want, that's where I want to land here today. Animal saturated fat, fried foods, soft processed foods, and high sugar all decrease what? What cell growth? Brain cell growth and survival. We're going to see tomorrow that it has to do with inflammation, an inflammation in response in the brain, because the brain has its own immune system, its own immune cells. <clears throat> this is a brain researcher. Well, that's not her, but this is her name. <clears throat> Sandrine Thoret. We have enough evidence, <clears throat> excuse me, to say that neurogenesis, or the, the production of new nerve cells, the neuron is the basic unit of communication, or the basic uh, unit of communication in the brain, the neurotransmitter is the basic chemical of communication. So neurogenesis means the making of new nerve cells in the brain. How many of you would like to have more new nerve cells in your brain? <clears throat> How many of you would like them to survive? Yes. Now that's, that's the question, because your brain does produce them every day, but their survival is a different story. So it's the target of choice if we want to improve memory, mood, or prevent the decline associated with aging or stress. <clears throat> so nutrient-rich, crunchy foods, spacing meals, calorie restriction, all promote new brain cell formation. This is, there's a, just this statement alone packs a punch. So when I do this at college campuses, I have the students repeat after me, crunch for lunch. Okay, so let's say that together. 
Crunch for lunch. Now, what do you think they're thinking when I am saying crunch? Yeah, they're just rotten, some of them. You know, you have to have detention. We, we just go, we're going to go over it again until you give me the right answer, whether you feel like it or not. So I have crunch factor in my meal plan every day. And it's just, there's another section in our book, Foods for Thought, called Three Cheers for Salad. Raw, raw, raw. So, yeah. So I'm, gonna, I'm hoping I can show you my super slaw before the week is out. And it's very easy to incorporate more crunch into the diet. What would some of those things be? Crunch. Carrots. Carrots. What else? Cucumbers. Celery. Cauliflower. What else? Broccoli. I mean, nuts. You name it. Peppers. Yeah, that's right. It's just fantastic. Now, let's talk a little bit about the brain-gut axis. There is a constant exchange of chemicals and electrical messages between the nervous system and the digestive system. The entire digestive system is closely attuned to a person's what? Emotions and state of mind. Therefore, what affects the stomach will directly affect the brain and vice versa. The gut-brain connection is no joke. This connection goes both ways. A troubled intestine can send signals to the brain, and a troubled brain sends signals to the gut. Anthony Komaroff is a, a, probably a leading expert on addictions, and um, he has some things. Now, this is where I wanted to make sure we get before I dismiss you, to make you a little miserable. <laughs> Gangsters in the gut. So we think of calories as being equal. You know, so for instance, 10 M&Ms, an M&M is 10 calories. So 12 M&Ms would be how many calories? 120 calories. So that's a half an hour on a treadmill, people. I mean, I'm not trying to be weird or anything here, get into an eating problem. But if, you've, you, if you are, have taken your capacity of calories, and you see these guys, these college students with the pound bag in their cup holder in the car, you know, and they're just shoveling thousands of calories worth of M&Ms. Uh, so we have to be aware. If you're climbing Mount Everest, you know, go for it. But the, we have to understand that calorie density really makes a difference. But it's not just that. Because your body is going to respond to calories depending on the type of gut bacteria you have and the packaging of those calories. It's an absolutely incredible study on its own, the Western diet with high levels of fat and sugar leads to high levels of a species of bacteria, has many hundreds of different subtypes, called Firmicutes. And some babies can be born with higher levels of Firmicutes and be more prone to obesity. Now, this doesn't mean that Firmicutes is a bad bacteria, but the Firmicutes bacteria tend to harvest more calories out of the food. 20% more. So if you have a 2,000 calorie regimen, the person with a high level of Firmicutes species of bacteria in the gut, how many calories are they going to be receiving from that food? That someone with the other type of bacteria, the bacteria deep species, is getting 2,000 calories. Firmicutes uh, overgrowth is going to give you 20% more calories. So how many calories is 20% more of 2,000? It's 400 calories more. That's about an hour and a half or two, two of exercising 
to handle those extra calories. So a calorie is not a calorie, is not a calorie, is not a calorie. In addition, the gut bacteria of the bacteria to eat species, their metabolites and breakdown products initiate the production of dopamine, serotonin, GABA, whereas the other bacteria are obesogenic, anxiogenic, and depressogenic. Rats that are obese who are given fecal transplants from, from um, non-anxious, normal weight rats, they lose weight because of the species of bacteria that overtake the gut. Thin rats or normal weight rats that are given the Firmicutes fecal transplant from the obese rats, guess what happens to them? And they're ang they get obese and anxious. And so uh, this is very important. So Firmicutes during, uh, versus the bacteriodetes. Firmicutes bacteria, when present in uh, too much, too, too high quantities, tend to be obesogenic. They tend to favor insulin resistance. They, there's less microbe diversity. This is really important because people will say, well, I'm just on this program and I'm eating these bars. And, you know, that, that, let's remember too that dieting and diet programs tend to sow the seeds of weight gain. And one of the reasons is even if you lose your weight, your bacterial population is not changing. And so having a diverse, Gut microbiome or microbiota is key in long-term success. I'm not saying we should never use any of these other methods to get a jump start, but are you with me that we have to develop a pattern of eating that is going to encourage the healthiest profile of bacteria? So people tend to have not enough diversity from the plant food kingdom. There's more as a result, there's less microbe diversity, which is associated with frailty and aging, more illness, both mental and physical, which I think is really interesting. Now, does that mean that food fixes everything? No. Now, I've met some pretty mean vegetarians, you know, <laughs> and I, I think I was probably one of them at one time. So there was a vegetarian congress, and this woman, a vegan woman, didn't like what the speaker was saying, and she pelted him with a lemon pie. A healthy one. It was a good pie. But, but would you agree with me that this is one tool that we need to pay attention to so that we're not working against ourselves and against nature and against God's plan? It makes me appreciate the choices that God wants me to make for optimal mental and physical function, and it creates backup systems that are going to facilitate not only achieving but maintaining your healthy weight and your best profile for dealing with stress. For good health, including mental health, the food you eat needs to be good for you and your microbiota. And it's not just about how you feed them. Your microbiota, you need to take your microbiota for a walk. You need to space meals for your microbiota and put your microbiota to bed at night. And here all this time, you thought you were by yourself at your house. <laughs> No, you have some children to take care of. And I actually think of this when I'm shopping. I think of my microbiota. I haven't named them, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I'll need an intervention. When I get to that point, I need an intervention. Okay. 
Fiber is what our good bacteria thrive on, and they love butyrate. They break down all these great foods. They love butyrate. They love whole wheat, whole grains, fruits and vegetables, seeds, nuts. They love, love, love it, and it just lowers inflammation in the gut, too. So when we eat whole plant foods, we're telling our gut flora to be fruitful and multiply. So we want to enjoy those, you know, during this pandemic, I never saw a run on asparagus. Never saw it. <laughs> so how many of you would agree with me that you're kind of thinking, I'd like to get familiar and have a little bit more diversity. I, I might have three or four fruits or vegetables that I really enjoy, but what about expanding that now? Get a little more color, a little more flavor, a little more uh, diversity in the diet. So plan ahead. Go veggie, watch for hidden calories, beware of bags, bottles, and bars. Now here's just some straight calorie comparisons, but you know that the fiber piece and the bacteria piece alters this. But just straight calorie compar comparison. A small chocolate bar or 25 carats. What about this? This is amazing. A Danish or an apple, banana, orange, and half a cantaloupe. Which one would foster the bacteria deet colonies. Which one? The fruit. The fruit. Which one is going to encourage the growth of firmicutes? The Danish. So the Danish is going to be more fattening than this, even though it's the same calories. Let's look at a few breakfasts. We have just a few minutes left. Are you still with me? I don't want anybody to be late. Are we late already? Okay, I'm trying to be sorry. <laughs> but I told the first class they have to be on time. It applies to me too. So we're going to rip through this now. Look at a typical breakfast. Some man said, lady, for me, that's good. I just have coffee and a cigarette. So, so we want to get about 45 to 50 grams of fiber a day. Uh, if you are of general good health, uh, as an adult, there are people, uh, uh, the guy in Pennsylvania that I spoke with, he has a gen, uh, a, an enzyme disorder, and this whole thing doesn't work for him. So we respect that. We respect that there are individual needs and conditions. So we, if we wanted to get 45 grams a day, three meals a day, how many grams per meal would that be? 15. Yeah, good. So here we have how many grams of fiber for breakfast? Not a lot of fiber. Here's a better lunch. Oats, I mean a better breakfast. Oats, blackberries, blueberries, walnuts. Just a handful a day is going to give you 1,200 milligrams of omega-3 fatty acids. So good for the brain. We'll talk a little bit about fat. Uh, how, many, how many grams of fiber? And how many calories? Less, fewer calories. Fewer calories. Is portion control important? If, even with good food, we still have to go easy. We're not building bridges during the day anymore. We're sitting in front of computers. So here's a lunch. Cheeseburger, fries, cola. How many grams of fiber? If you eat every sesame seed, maybe a little bit of the bag... <laughs> Look at the calories. How many calories? 900. Let's look at a better one. Let's have a beautiful crunch for lunch. Small. I don't do... I love those salads. Beans, rice, tortillas. How many grams of fiber? Look at the calorie difference. Less than half. It's an incredible difference, isn't it? Here's supper. Chicken, coleslaw, dinner roll, ice cream to settle the stomach. How much fiber? Two. How many, how many calories? What are you going to do, build a barn at night? This is terrible. Then you're going to wake up with dragon mouth. It affects your immune system. You go to bed with all the heavy stuff. 
Better, better supper, nice soup, multi-grain bread, avocado, cantaloupe, fiber, 10 grams. Look at the calories, 300. And we want to go to bed with a nice empty stomach. Space those meals. It does take time and perseverance to recover lost ground and form healthy habits. God will give you guidance, power, and the will to stick to it. How many of you, if you could go to the grocery store and buy a miracle in a can, would you do it? Would you go and buy a can of miracle? You wouldn't buy a miracle in a can? Boy, I'd be first in line. Well, I I could say I could say it's a can of beans, but I meant what I really mean is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Expect challenges. Successful people are not mistake-free. They just refuse to give up. What did I learn? How did I get here? Why am I in this situation? What happened? Lord Jesus, help me to understand and to move forward and to gain strength. Attitude isn't anything. It's what? It's everything, people. Don't let yesterday's reason become today's excuse. You're not going to get anywhere otherwise. I love this quote. The great physician has a remedy for every ill. He understands your case. Whatever may have been your errors, he knows how to deal with them. Will you not trust yourself with him? How many of you want to trust your case with your heavenly father? Like a pine sapling that grows stronger, sturdier, and bigger with each passing season, you will gain strength of character as you walk with God through every circumstance of life. There's a pastor's wife in this room that I cherish. When she was a teenager, she was hit by a drunk driver in a truck. She lost her limb, part of her leg. Went through an amputation. She was in the hospital longer than that man was in jail. He never was remorseful, but she's a pastor's wife today, ministering in pain with challenges, loving God. Is her faith conquered? Her faith has conquered through adverse circumstances. The Bible says, he who overcomes shall inherit how many things? All things. In the meantime, we have a lending library in heaven. If you don't have a smile in the morning, borrow one. God has one for you. He has a lending library for whatever you need. Behold, he says, I am coming quickly. Do you believe that? The time is at hand. Don't start making small changes. Small changes give you big results. Don't start making them on the busiest day of the calendar. What's the busiest day of the calendar? Tomorrow. (laughs) It's crowded. Today is the day. Little changes are going to make a big difference. How many of you agree with that? If you're convicted right now that you want to just be more fully in for God, following his ways, why don't you stand up? We're going to have closing prayer. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much. We've just breezed over the forest, but we've gotten a glimpse of a tender Savior who loves us, who wants us to have our backup systems operational to help us to to, um, cope with increasing, not decreasing, challenges. I thank you, Father, for these things. And in your presence is fullness of joy. Help us to walk in your ways, to trust you, to learn from our mistakes, and to take your counsels to our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.